Welcome back, podcast fans, to a new episode of First Online with Friends, There's No Place Like Art. I'm Frances McGarry, host, art advocate, and activist, featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the arts. I'd like to open this episode with a welcome back to my sound engineer slash musician, Yuri, who went through a life and death ordeal these past three months. Christina, his wife, and the producer of my podcast stood at his side steadfastly advocating for his recovery. You know, we artists are fighters. Our souls are passionately connected to everything we do. Everything we know, feel, and practice emanates from this spring of creativity. And we generously share that joy through our artistry. But it takes time and money to invest in these endeavors. Towards that goal, City Artist Corps grants support New York City-based working artists who have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. Funding is offered to help sustain their practice and engage the public across New York City's five boroughs. Today's guest, singer Jenny Lynn Stewart, was awarded a 5,000 grant to do just that. She devised an upbeat musical program, The New York Spirit, targeted for 55 plus senior audiences. Interspersed among the stories are human interest stories to lift their spirits and inspire them for their lives going forward. Welcome, Jenny. Oh, thank you. I'm just so thrilled to be here. I really am. I'm just very excited to talk about the grant and the show and yeah, everything. Yeah. And that's, that's, well, let's start with that. Congratulations. Thank you, you did it. You got the grant. You I got the did. award. So now what? What do you do? Well, uh, according to the grant, the requirements, you have to have a performance by October 31st. There will be approximately 3,000 people who are going to receive this grant. And everybody, whether you're a visual artist, magician, singer, pianist, comedian, all have to have their performances live. The plan is live. I mean, maybe some will have to be on live stream by October 31st, because New York wants to tell the world we are coming back. New York is not dead. And the, art, the artists were all particularly hit hard by the pandemic. And I think that was one of the reasons why they instituted this grant program. So I had reached out. I had performed in the past at the Library for Performing Arts at Lincoln Center. And I reached out to them. And they said, if I could get my program together by September 18th, I could do it there. So I'm just thrilled beyond a measure about this. Yeah. That must feel really good. What was it like for you, you know, as a singer during the pandemic? Well, I was very lucky in that I still had my church job. So I'm a soloist for a church on the east side. And right before the shutdown, it was this frantic endeavor to record five services. So we did that. And then after those were over with, 
they said that we could come into the church and record live streams in person. So we started that the very end of April. And then when former President Trump said he wanted all the churches open on Memorial Day weekend, the church opened and we never closed. And they asked me not to take vacation time. So I didn't. And I performed there every Sunday. Still am. Yeah. I was very lucky. I live in upper, upper Manhattan. And I would take an express bus down the east side. And most times it was the driver and me going there and coming home. What a contrast. Yeah. 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 Your show is geared for 55 and older audiences. Why did you streamline it for that particular audience? I was just kind of curious about that. Well, in general, the music that I do is what they love, which I do the classic Broadway, but also it's an audience that is marginalized, if that would be the right term. I just attended a conference up in Stamford, Connecticut, and I can tell you a lot of the venues, I mean, they're trying to get the younger audience and they're forgetting about the older people, the ones that really have a lot of disposable income and that really like old classic Broadway or even some of the old popular songs. And also another reason was, you know, the over 55 group was really hit hard by COVID. And a lot of them are still very hesitant to go out and others are still having a hard time dealing with all the ramifications of loss of loved ones. Mm -hmm. And so this really is to help lift their spirits going forward because we are here and you know we don't wanna live our lives, at least I don't, being totally depressed, change our mindset and try to be joyful going forward as much as possible. I think that's a, the, the key that speaks to all of us as artists is that we know how the arts can lift our spirits and make a difference. You mentioned that music has always been a part of your, your life, you know, and how, how did that evolve to be where you are here today? Well, I'm classically trained and I started out doing opera and classical music. What really did it, you know, I did a big tour of The Sound of Music and I was the mother abbess and went all the United States and, and then in Asia with Marie Osmond. I did not do Marie Osmond in the United States, just, just in Europe. And one of the gals in the cast actually said to me, you know, you really appear to really like Richard Rogers. Why don't you do a CD of Richard Rogers songs? I did not do that, but that's what got me thinking about there's an audience for that. There's an audience for the old songs. And so I did back in 2004, I made a program, my only so far cabaret show in that genre per se, of Richard Rogers' tunes. And I got an excellent reaction to it. And that's when I started then doing, you know, senior venue and or venues around the country in Arizona and Florida, where there is a big group of basically retired people, but not all. What kind of reactions did you get? Oh, they love it. They love it. A lot of people say, where have you been? <laughs> here, yeah. here there are you uh, born and raised new yorker no i'm from michigan yeah i was born and raised in michigan i sang for three years down in texas with the fort worth opera and also at caruso's restaurant which was in dallas and i was a singing waitress 
and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I sang arias plus the classical Broadway. And then it came, came to a point where my advisor said, you know, you really need to go to New York. And there was a gal who used to sing at Caruso's in Dallas and she lived up here. She was singing in the chorus at New York City Opera. Her roommate was getting married. She needed a roommate and it was just the perfect time for me to move to New York. Wow. How long have you been in New York? I'm embarrassed to tell you in one hand, but honestly, 30 years. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Bravo. Bravo. What is it that you love about singing? How did you do- decide to go and pursue that as opposed to musical theater? Well, you know, it makes me feel happy. I feel happy when I sing and people who hear me sing tell me they feel happy that I make their hearts happy. Yeah, it's the most joyful thing that I can do, I feel, for me and for others. Do you have, like, a favorite song that just brings ultra happiness to your soul? Well, yes, of course, Climb Every Mountain, because I've sung that all over the world. Wow. And uh, Oscar Hammerstein said, and I'm totally going to paraphrase this, <laughs> that that was his philosophy in life, to keep seeking what makes you happy and what you are meant to do, and when you find that, you stay with that and pursue it for the rest of your life. There's the key. Yeah. Following your heart. Have you managed to make your job pay for your bills? And has it always been like one job to the next job? Were there struggles? Oh, no, I've had support jobs, but um, I worked at law firms, started out kind of on the night staff, and then it worked. So I would work like three nights a week or three days a week. And they would all give me flexibility. I don't know how much that exists today at law firms, but it did for me. And at this one law firm I started, there were five opera singers there. Oh. And so, yes. <laughs> and it would totally work out that somebody got a tour or went off to do a show somewhere. And there was enough of us then to cover them and what the law firm needed to get their documents done. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. And yeah. going back to my original point, actors, artists, we are very resourceful. Oh, yeah. We persist. I was a teacher, and I never thought that at this stage of my life, be a working New York actor and producing podcasts. And here it is, going back to your point, not only about being resourceful, but age is a number. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm you can continue to, to reinvent yourself, right? Yes. Is that, and yes. people who we surround ourselves with get that about us Yes. and celebrate that. Do you have a person in your life who played a role in your pursuit of your art? Well, I definitely had mentors, you know, when I was in college. And encouraged me, you know, they're the ones that encouraged me to come to New York. I also had gone to Europe. I studied in Europe. You know, I always loved musical theater. It was just a thing as a little girl. I first heard The King and I, and I went to, I'm from Detroit, went down, there was called Grinnell Music Store. And I got the easy piano arrangements of all the songs in The King and I. And I went and I played them all and I just loved them. And later when I was in high school, I got to usher at the Fisher Theater in Detroit, which was at one point where shows would come before they, you know, went to Broadway. So I was just enamored by the whole theater scene and Broadway. But my voice was really kind of geared toward the legit sound. So that's why I ended up 
pursuing opera and uh, now kind of made the transition to musical theater where I can use my classically trained voice. I'm not a belter. And I, you know, I tried it. It's like, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to stick with, you know, what I do. Yeah. So at this stage of your life, how does it feel? Oh, it feels great. I made sort of a pact with God a few years ago. I was in an accident and I thought, boy, if I survive this, I promise you, God, I will use my voice as long as I have it and share it with people. And I did. And, and here I am. Yeah. Was there ever a time where you lost your voice or something happened? And No, I'm very lucky. No. Just they... the usual cold that people get. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. No, I, I never lost my voice. I never had vocal problems. Knock on wood. Yeah. Let's go back to the show for the grant. Can you, I am, I'm interested in learning more. Like, how do you frame it? How long is it? You know, how did you go about, how did you do this? Well, first of all, it is not complete, completed yet. In fact, I wanted to bring that up. If people have some inspirational stories that they would like to share with me, please send them to me. Uh, you can go to my website, manhattandiva.com, and there's a place to reach me via email. Or I also have a Gmail account, Jenny Lynn Stewart at Gmail. So what I'm doing is I have some stories. And so when I hear their stories and then I'm putting songs that kind of relate to it after that story, there's a certain venue in New York City. He shared his story with me. And so he's basically, he decided to kind of start anew. So I'm going to sing I'll Begin Again, which is from Scrooge. Leslie Brickus, I believe, is the composer off the top of my head. And then I'm going to go into High Hopes, that famous song that Frank Sinatra used to sing. So that's how I'm planning on doing it. And then we are going to end with New York, New York. That's going to be a sing-along that hopefully everybody will be joyful at that point and sing along. What kind of stories, when you said human interest stories, what kind of stories? Is it just about the pandemic or survival? What kind of well, in this instance, because of the current situation, yes, basically about survival, how people are, have gotten through and moving forward during this time. But in general, no, I hope to use this whole show at some point, perhaps for sales meetings that come to New York and the different hotels to lift the salesperson's experience. Also, the more I was thinking about this, I could really do it any state. For any state, it could be the Connecticut spirit, it could be the New Jersey spirit, the Pennsylvania spirit, and have specific songs that have been written about their states, as well as great stories about people. And what I'll do is I'll put those um, links and email addresses on the blog when the uh, podcast airs to support uh, what, you, what you're doing. Great. You know, that that's one of the things that really impacted me over the course of the pandemic was the solitary time I found was an opportunity for me to reflect and mm -hmm. really take a look at not only who I was and what I was doing, but to also think about mm -hmm. how I could constructively use this opportunity which I didn't have any control over and, and use it to grow. And I realized that I now had an opportunity to write a book about uh -huh. my experience with the um, Young Playwrights Festival, Stephen Sondheim's Young Playwrights Inc. 
And it's been, that has like opened up all new experiences for me that I probably would have tabled because you, you got auditions, you got to take classes, you got to go into the city, you got to do that. And it's been really wonderful. And this podcast, I mean, it's just like the people that I've met are just amazing. And the things that they did, the theme of this year's show is on the pandemic and how the arts can help to heal. How did you use this downtime? Well, first of all, I want to go back to the show for one second. The New York Spirit, I had this idea years ago. My original idea was to do this and have success stories, as I mentioned, like for hotels, for sales conventions and all that. So I never did it. You know, never did it. Just, you know, there it is on the back burner. Then when this grant opportunity came up, I thought, well, this is it. I can, because everybody wants to be heard. They want to tell people what they've gone through during this pandemic. And I thought, well, this is it. This is the perfect time. And so when the grant came up, I, I applied for it and, you know, I received it. What did I do during the pandemic? Well, first of all, <laughs> I did not know how to do self-taping. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I, I learned how to do that. I still haven't mastered recording myself singing for auditions, but I know how to do the other, just if it's just verbal. Yeah, see, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's another thing is like all auditions are self-tape auditions. Right. And like you said, it's a double-edged sword you know you have the opportunity to get your best take and send that but then you have to look at it and find your best take (laughs) I know (laughs) you know it's like oh I should have looked there and done that there and then finally there comes a time when it's like okay this is me this is how I'm going to do it you know and just going to send it in and the more the more you do it, the better I got at it. And I felt really the self-tape for me has allowed me to not have to worry about memorizing all the lines because you could put up, you know, just put it up on a teleprompter or cue card, whatever, and really look and analyze what the scene is about and, you know, telling that story right. in a scene how have you progressed? Like, did you find that, you know, when you first started doing this, like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah, I was so awful. And Ted Bernetti was having, I still take the class. He has a self-taping class. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was really awful. He says, you've come a long way. I mean, I'm still not perfect, but you know. <laughs> is yeah. that a sag? No, Ted Bernetti is, a, is an actor. He was in Bronx Tale. I think he's been on a lot of uh, television programs. Yeah, he has the emphasis on television. I'm really a stage person, but... That's another point, you know, that you're bringing up is that my primary love is being on stage and doing live theater. Right. And it's like, okay, that's not going to happen. I did the reading series. I did a number of reading series, you know, online, but it's not, it's just not the same without the audience. And so by not doing that my TV and commercials and skill sets have like dramatically improved. As a matter of fact, in the middle of a pandemic, this time last year, I booked a co-star role 
on a Hallmark movie. Wow. This is what I mean. It's like people like you, we're not deterred. It's like, okay, shift. Because that's what it's like being on stage. It's like, okay, somebody dropped a line here. We're just going to keep, you know, we're just going to keep keep going. And the audience doesn't know. And it's, it's the same kind of thing. So how did you find that, you know, when you were going through that class and, and experimenting with the, the use of a TV, a camera? Well, I thought it was challenging. But, you know, I, I mean, the placement, I mean, the background and uh, the lighting, and I bought this light and that light. And, and then I didn't have the ring. I had the ring light, but it was too bright. And then originally they had, I still have it. They have salmon color. Yeah. I put on that. Well, that made me completely look yellow. That didn't yeah. really work out. And then there was a the sound issue. We can't hear you. Like, oh, okay. So it was, yeah. Now it's the music. But I did have my first official audition, which made me feel good that I did that. Good girl. Uh, and I know I will, you know, get better as time goes on. Yeah. We're hoping that New York is going to open. I actually invested. I'm a Roundabout fan. Mm -hmm. And I bought a subscription. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to go into the city, you know, but I'm still, I'm still apprehensive about taking the train and the, the subways. Anything you can tell me to allay some of my fears? Well, unfortunately, I can't because this seminar that I just attended or a retreat in uh, Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah. Yesterday morning, there was a man from, the, uh, it's called AMS Marketing, and they do up-to-date research on venues and he said, well, up to two weeks ago, everything was looking really good. And uh, now people are, because of the Delta variant, there's hesitancy right now. But it's not zero. You know, it's just there is hes hesitancy about the whole thing. So I can't say any optimistic news for sure. But we're fingers crossed that we're going to get past this very soon. And it'll go over. I, hope I mean, so. the Delta variant will pass over. And we and will... Do you have a, a singing message that you can make about getting a vaccine? <laughs> Not offhand. Just get the <laughs> vaccine. Get the vaccine. Right. You know, I mean, still, it's, in fact, I heard this on the radio this morning. I think if you happen to get the COVID and you're vaccinated, your chances of going to the hospital or severe reaction to COVID will be very, very small. They said it's 98% effective, this vaccine. Yeah. yeah. I got the Moderna. What'd you get? Moderna. Same. Oh, hey, we're Moderna, yeah. Moderna girls. Yeah. What's next? What are you looking forward to? What comes? What's the next chapter? Well, uh, of course, doing more of these shows. But the other thing I also wanted to mention, during COVID, I did an inspirational speech on Zoom it was for a Veterans Day service in May of 2020. And because, you know, originally when this all started, there was people were comparing this to World War II and what the country, you know, went, uh, went through. And so I actually talked about my parents who were both in World War II. They were in the service. And it ended up, people said they were really inspired by the speech. And I just, again, told personal stories about relatives and others during World War II. And that's why I want to tell personal stories about what people went through now, what we're going through now during COVID. 
And she How is. long is the show? Do you have a time? Oh, I didn't tell you that. You asked me that further. Yes, before rather. It is two 45-minute sets. So it's, and then it's 45 minutes, an intermission, 15-minute intermission, and then another 45 minutes. That's great. It's kind of like an act one, act two. Is there I, a contrast compare in terms of theme? Oh, no. It's all, yeah, no, it's all going to be like a continuation okay. um, of stories and uplifting songs. I, and by the way, I do have to mention that it's ticketed on Eventbrite. It's totally free. They have not created the link yet, but it will be on my website as well as the New York Library for Performing Arts uh, website. Yeah. And, and again, I'll make sure, you know, we'll, we'll put that on the blog and share that. Right. Jenny, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I am looking forward to going into the city. I'll bring a paper bag when I hyperventilate. <laughs> <laughs> And seeing your show, thank you so much. Continued success, and uh, we will certainly stay in touch. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, Fran. I just really appreciate this opportunity to share about the grant and uh, the New York spirit. And we're going to get through this, and we're going to be on that other side, and everything is going to be very good for all of us. Thank you. Find out more about what Fran is up to. Go to her website at firstonlinewithfran.com. This program was produced by March Hare Media and recorded at WeChief Studio Productions.